Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. I hope everyone who celebrates had a Merry Christmas. Santa was good to the Chiefs, bringing a victory over the Seattle Seahawks on a frigid Saturday afternoon when the defense played well and Patrick Mahomes turned in a highlight reel touchdown run to go along with his two scoring passes. Today's podcast is our discussion of the game. It started as a post-game Sports Beat Live conversation with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope. We went over the game, where the Chiefs sit in the AFC standings, uh, playoff picture that is, and more. So if you missed that conversation then, here it is. Okay, let's get started. Hello from G-E-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, where we are going to talk about the Chiefs' 24-10 victory today over the Seattle Seahawks with the folks in the media who know them best. Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, the beat writers for the Kansas City Star, are here, and we're going to talk about them with you. So send us questions and comments, and let's talk about these 12-3 and Kansas City Chiefs. I'm looking over to the left, and um, uh, Herbie, I bet you can see it. Just a gorgeous sunset uh, over <laughs> in the, the southwest of, of Arrowhead, and I'm looking over to the right, and I see light. It's still light. I, you know, here it is getting darker earlier and earlier, but still light outside, and I think Santa's sleigh is making its way across from the east. Hope it doesn't hit the Seahawks plane on the way home, but, um, you know, Good win for the Chiefs today. Solid win. Offense did not um, did not have one of its great games. It was good in that there were no turnovers for the Chiefs. That's always a big thing. Um, but didn't pile up the yards or big numbers. They got the job done, though. I thought it was a good, very good game for the defense. But let's hear what Herbie and Jesse have to say about it. Herbie, let's start with you. What What are just some general impressions from today's Chiefs victory? The defense, you, you you hit the nail on the head. You're talking about a team, the Seahawks team that entered this game uh, averaging 25.7 points per game, ranked seventh in the league. They ranked uh, at near the top of the league in total yards. And when the dust settled, 10 points. You know, they're 15 points below their, their average. They finished below average of what they averaged uh, per total yards. Geno Smith, also the passing was down. The defense punched the Seahawks in the mouth, and I thought it was just absolutely impressive. Hey, Jesse, how about you? What are some of your big takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I think Herbie hit on the head. You know, uh, we've been talking the last few weeks, like how good is this defense? They were ranked, I think, 25th or so in Football Outsiders uh, defensive ratings coming into the week. Earlier in the year, they were good enough to win Chiefs games when they weren't particularly playing well. But, like, is that going to continue to be the case? And today was a game that they picked up the offense, absolutely. And I thought Mitoltis made a great point on the Chiefs radio broadcast on walking down. Uh, we were getting on the elevators on the way to go downstairs. But uh, really where the Chiefs were good, where they were clutch. Uh, they had the three fourth down stops against the Seahawks, which ended up being really big plays. All three of those plays made by a rookie. You talk about George Karloftis with a, a, a bat down of a pass. Ryan Cook and then uh, also uh, Trent McDuffie making big tackles in open space to be able to stop the Seahawks. I'm looking at these numbers, and basically the offense has sort of moved it the same way, uh, the same rate of getting first down. This is a real struggle for the Chiefs offensively today, but the defense came through with the clutch plays, had the turnover as well, and so uh, they came through on the big downs better 
than the Seahawks did on their big down. So a, a really big performance by the Chiefs defense. And obviously, I think anytime uh, this time of year when you have these rookies stepping up and performing the way they did today, that gives you a little bit more encouragement heading into the postseason win. The Chiefs are going to have to rely on those guys. They're going to have to make big plays then as well. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point about the, the those being rookies. Uh, I thought uh, Brian Cook's play was that they're all excellent plays. Cook was uh, stopped for no yardage, and uh, McDuffie's a yard short of the first down. And, of course, Carl uh, Loftus, who also ended up with a sack today, so a batted down pass and a sack. I thought this may have been his best game of the season. He was my Kansas City star player of the game. I thought you could have given him a uh, – there were a lot of defensive players who – were worthy of it. Nick Bolton, uh, Willie Gay. Bolton had 15 or 16 tackles, and I thought Willie Gay had a good game. You mentioned Thornhill with the end zone interception. How about Kansas City winning the turnover battle? Um, good to see that. Um, Chris Jones with a sack, and I thought he was disruptive. But uh, but but I gave it to um, I gave it to Carl Loftus for you know for his couple of good plays in this game. A uh, lot a lot of comments and questions coming in. Let's get right to them. Larry, good to see you. Um, thanks for being here. Will Vahe be joining us? No. Vahe going total Scrooge on us uh, here on Christmas Eve. Now he's getting through his column, and uh, so is Sam McDowell. So you are stuck with the three of us uh, today. Um, Andrew says, please get 84 some new gloves, please. Herbie, what was Justin Watson's problem today? A couple <laughs> of drops, and one was – it didn't seem like it could have been an easier pass. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to see him drop those passes, especially given what Jesse and I saw him do during even training camp. It seems like everything thrown his way, he was pulling it in. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those games, you know. It, it, that's the only thing. It's just one of those games. Yeah, he's look, he, he's been good for the Chiefs all year, right? Um, there, there's uh, there's no, no doubt about that. So – Good sign, Jesse, that uh, that they're getting this kind of uh, defensive play. Um, obviously, it's a good sign, right? That that they're that they got a game like this today. How much did the weather play into it, though? What lower scoring game? The, the game came in under, right? And in the over under, I believe was was it was in the forties at some. And, and but this one came under. How much do you think the weather played a factor in, in today's game? Yeah, actually closed at 50 and a half. So um, this one point total was a lot higher than other ones out there where uh, you talk about like the Cleveland game was supposed to have a bunch of wind in it. And obviously those the Browns and Saints do not have the good offenses as the Chiefs and the Seahawks do. I think it was, you know, it impacted it. We saw some drops out there you don't normally see. Uh, there was that one pass that Mahomes had to Justin Watson. He left a little bit short in the end zone. I think on a normal sunny 60 degree day, he probably throws it a little bit further, lets him run under it and, and gets a touchdown there. So I would say you would have to say it had an impact, but it could have been worse. You know, there could have been a lot of wind out there. And obviously once you step on the field and you're cold and you know, you just got to sort of deal with it. They have the heated benches, they wear the scuba gear, all those sorts of things. So in terms of um, playability, you know, this was probably better than a lot of other locations out there. And we saw a lot of punts from the chiefs today. I mean, this is sort of the opposite game that we normally see. Usually it's the chiefs march the ball down the field, but they take a while. And the other team marches the ball down the field and takes a while. And so we see the Chiefs get, you know, eight or nine possessions and still score 24, 27 points. And we say, what's wrong with the offense? Well, you know, you only touch the ball eight times. It's a little bit tougher to, to score a bunch. But this was the opposite. The offense had plenty of chances and really just kind of stuck in the mud for most of the game. 
Uh, this was not Patrick Mahomes' best performance. I think that's pretty obvious, but you know, we have to give him credit as well. That one drive where they really needed it, he found Kelsey twice and then made the superhero play like he he does. You know, he just you always hear kind of the cliche about Patrick Mahomes. He never gets caught. He doesn't seem like he's fast, but he never gets caught from behind when he's running the football. It's just amazing to me when he dives for that pylon on that fourth quarter run. I mean, he just grazes the pylon enough to knock that thing over like a bowling pin. So everybody knows it's a touchdown, but it's just amazing to me how I think the old joke is like Patrick Mahomes is 1% more athletic than the guy chasing him. It's just another example. Patrick Mahomes was 1% good enough uh, when somebody's chasing him and to put his hand down, brace himself up, kind of do a push-up position, half push-up position and dive for the end zone. Even in these games when he's not that great, he still ends up making plays that are just amazing and things you've never seen before. So um, he'll look back at the tape. The Chiefs look back at the tape. This was not a good offensive performance from them uh, with as many possessions as they had. But uh, even in those games, when you have these moments like this, it's pretty special to watch. And uh, it's why a lot of people, when they're uh, celebrating their holidays tonight, will look around the tree and think about, hey, it's pretty cool that Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback of the hometown team. Right, and um, that um, uh, you know that touchdown run when he hitting the inside of the pie or the, the outside of the pylon. That's that that's a master craftsman there, knowing he needed to get it, knowing that was the only place he could uh, and, and get the touchdown. Uh, that that was excellent. You know, one of the uh, one of the, the really interesting matchups today was uh, Legarius Sneed. On DK Metcalf, and first of all, uh, we I think we all saw before the game that Metcalf and some of his wide receiving teammates um, were uh, uh, were playing in the winter wonderland that was Arrowhead Stadium today. Uh, I don't know if the, maybe you guys can tell me out there if the television cameras caught it or if it was part of the broadcast. Um, but what we saw uh, a good 90 minutes before the game were, well, I'll let Herbie tell us exactly what we saw on the field. <laughs> well, you know, to give DK Metcalf credit for, for come, being the man of his word because he did tell the Seahawks reporters uh, during a, a news conference up there on Wednesday that he would come out shirtless. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It, give it. I'm going to say brave man. I don't know, a hardcore, whatever you want to call it, but you're not going to catch me out there shirtless when it's minus five degrees below zero. But you mentioned know, Sneed locking up on Metcalf. Now, to me, I thought this was fascinating because typically when the Chiefs go to nickel, Sneed moves inside. That's always been the case. He has never shadowed or traveled with the opposing team's number one wide receiver this season until today. You know, I asked Coach Andy Reid about that after the game, and he said, yes, this was part of defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo's plan, and he credited Spags for coming up with that because he got two good football players, and he thought it was a good matchup. Yes, Metcalf had 81 yards receiving on seven catches, but as we know, he's a guy that can take over a game. I thought it was a good matchup, and I'm really curious to see as we go forward, will the Chiefs allow Snead to also travel against the guys like Stephon Diggs or – Jamar Chase that they meet up again in the playoffs because I thought today was a was a, a good sign of that. Do you think they should? I mean, I I think it was successful for the most part. I um, I, I thought there were one or two of the catches. How many total? Yeah, you said he had eighty one on of seven receptions, so eleven point six yards per per, per catch. 
Um, I thought for the most part, Snead did a good job uh, on him. That's, that's a tough assignment, but there's no doubt that Snead is the Chiefs' best cover corner, and, um, and, and they have been burned by opponents' number one receivers during the season. You know, I can remember Evans for, for the Bucks and Diggs for the Bills. You mentioned uh, uh, we can go on. Um, I, I, I do salute the Chiefs for making this change on defense. And, uh, and look, it was, it was 17 to nothing before the, the Seahawks put together a little, bit of a, a little bit of drive at the end of the first half to make it 17 to three. And that's where it stayed through most of the, the third quarter. And then to, to go back to Jesse's point, that's when the Chiefs came up with a couple of those fourth down stops. It was in the third quarter, and I, I that was critical. I because I, I, I don't know if you guys heard me because I, I turned to Vahe and Sam and said I, I think the Chiefs need one more score to feel good about this because I, I thought it was just a matter of time before the Seahawks were going to puncture the Chiefs' defense and get in the end zone and turn it into a one score game on a day that Mahomes and the offense just weren't clicking as we've seen in previous weeks, but. Um, it didn't happen, and uh, the, the big plays were made on the defensive defensive side. Thornhill, it turns out, with that end zone interception, which I think was his second pick of the year, um, that that ended the last real Seahawks uh, threat. Chiefs made it twenty four to three after that on the two plays that Jesse alluded to, Mahomes to Kelsey, um, and then got in the end zone on the uh, on Mahomes run. Hey, I want to talk about the, the the first two touchdowns for the Chiefs, the Kadarius Tony, you know, flip pass, and then the um, the Jarek McKinnon uh, touchdown reception. I thought both were salutes to those two players in particular. You know, Mahomes got the flip pass to uh, you know to, to Tony and threw a you know threw an accurate ball to McKinnon. But in both cases, I thought the the wide receivers. Or the the the, recept, the the those who received the pass, and in um, in Tony's case, the offensive line did a heck of a job on that. Herbie, why don't you take the first one? With the uh, uh, what did you see on the Tony reception? All I know is Jesse Newell and I were, you know, Jesse and I were sitting next to each other. We both kind of like reacted at the same time because all we saw was this big giant mass coming over there and just destroying. Seahawks cornerback Kobe Bryant. And then we look up, and, and of course, Jesse said, was that, was that Trey Smith? And I was like, I think that was Trey Smith. And then thankfully, the NFL put out a quick clip of it. And it was Trey Smith. This is the second time this year we've seen him just totally obliterate a, a, a hapless defender, a, a defensive back trying to stop a play inside the 10 yard line. He did it, he did it in Denver against Justin Simmons. We see it here again today. And the path for Kadarius Tony is just to walk right into the end zone. So kudos to the Chiefs for coming up, play design, and kudos to Trey Smith for executing that block. Uh, and then on the McKinnon uh, touchdown, th that was just kind of all effort, wasn't it, Jesse? He gets um, the, the, catches the ball. He's open in the flat. Mahomes gets it to him. Spin move at about the three to, to shake one tackler, and then he powers through another one at the goal line. Um, you, you know, uh, Andrew, you know, he's got like six touchdowns in the last month. Yeah, I, I added him up. He's got six touchdown receptions in his last four games and the 26-yard touchdown run against the, the Texans last week uh, to win that game in overtime. McKinnon is really becoming their go-to guy when it comes to touchdown passes. Yeah, I, I, the broadcast mentioned he had the most touchdowns in – 
December, I believe, in the NFL, which, again, if you had told us that about a month ago, I'm not sure any of us would really, really would have believed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I kind of, on these, this is kind of where the MVP battle, if you will, sort of gets convoluted because I think Patrick Mahomes last year would not thrown, have thrown that pass to Jarek McKinnon um, because it's a check down. It's not in the end zone. It's He would have looked for a guy in the end zone to make that play himself, and if not, he would have scrambled around he'd run backwards, he'd run around. But this year, that's sort of what he's done. And we saw that last week against the Texans where he was just so so much precision because it's like he said he saw there were openings in the zone that he wasn't taking advantage of against Denver. So the next week he comes back and says, if, if a guy's open in the zone, I hit my back foot, I'm going to hit that guy. And so if you watch that play, you know it's kind of designed basically to kind of get some traffic in front of Jarek McKinnon's man. And Jarek McKinnon gets the ball around the seven or eight, and he can get the ball to about the three or the four, then he's got to do the work from there. And so, yeah, it's, it's a great individual effort by Jerk McKinnon to make a guy, didn't make completely make a miss, but kind of dodged him a little bit and was able to fall forward in the end zone. But, you know, I, I think Patrick Mahomes deserves credit because a year ago, I think that in his mindset, that wouldn't have been good enough. You know what I mean? Like to get to the four or three and let his own player make the play, it wouldn't have been good enough. And that's why I think it's tough, the narrative this year with him, because, you know, there's a lot of yards after catch with this team. There's a lot of these type of decisions with Patrick Mahomes racking up these numbers because he's throwing it short. He's taking what's given to him and the other guys are sort of getting those yards. So I think he deserves credit for that. I think he deserves credit for that decision. If a defense is going to play you deep, you throw it to the short guy. Um, but again, Jarek McKinnon does a, makes a great play, gets to the end zone. But I think that is a great example of the maturation we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. He, he doesn't it's not the Cincinnati game all over again from last year, the AFC championship game where he's just pressing, 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 pressing to make the miracle play. It's, Hey, that guy's open. He's in the flat. I'm going to give him a chance. And I think the, I'm going to give him a chance is put Patrick Mahomes, you know, safely in this uh, MVP conversation. But as you would ask him, most importantly for the chiefs, it's put them in position to be the best offense in football, even after losing one of their best weapons in the off season. So I think that's, what's made him great this year. Even if uh, some people might ding that against him, because again, it was a throw out in the flat, nothing really flashy, but, it's probably something he didn't do in his first couple of years of his career. Okay, Mahomes was uh, 16 to 28, 224 yards, two touchdowns, and as I said at the top of the show, no no interceptions, no turnovers for the Chiefs today. Um, and uh, the 52 yarder to Kelsey in the fourth quarter was his long pass, 106.8 rating. Uh, I think that I think that's above his season average. So. On a day where the numbers weren't spectacular like they were a week ago against the Texans, I think solid numbers doesn't do anything to hurt his NFL MVP chances. In fact, without uh, without Jalen Hurts playing today, I do think Mahomes becomes the the, the solid favorite right now. I, I don't I no longer think of it as a toss up, but um, and it's not to say Mahomes could lose it or Hurts couldn't win it or even Josh Allen, but I, I think with two games remaining. Mahomes becomes the, uh, if, if he hadn't already, becomes the favorite to, to win the MVP. Let's, let's be honest, Blair, too. I mean, that dive, the extending out, the hitting the pylon, um, we always hear in college football, it's the Heisman moment, you know? When did the guy hit his Heisman moment? And we, there it is. Andrew's got it right here. That's an MVP moment. I mean, that's the dive. I mean, that people are going to remember that photo. I talked to Jarek McKinnon in the locker room. He said, uh, he was starting to dress, and Patrick came over to him with the cell phone and showed him the photo. And uh, Jarek was basically telling him, "Man, you got to get a fire uh, sort of caption for that if you're going to post on social media because that photo deserves some sort of great, <laughs> you know, uh, emoji or message with it because 
it's amazing. I mean, if you go look at that play, he kind of turns his hand inward to stay in bounds with his hand. He talked about afterwards, he kind of put himself in push-up position, which, you know, you got overlooked that. I mean, the guy, I mean, he is not like Isaiah Pacheco. He's not, you know, a, a Greek god of, of physique. But, I mean, to be able to push yourself, levitate up, keep yourself up, extend with the ball, extend it far enough to just touch that pylon, I mean – uh, I talk about Justin Watson. That's a really athletic play with uh, what Patrick Mahomes did there. And again, just another moment we don't see from other quarterbacks. So uh, we can talk through all the stats, all the numbers. Again, we all watched the game. We all watched the three hours. We all know he didn't really play that well throughout the course of it. But what are casual people and casual voters going to see from this? They're going to see this photo of him reaching out, touching the pylon, and having another one of those Michael Jordan moments. And uh, yeah, I'm with you, Blair. I, I think it's going to help him lock up the MVP, even if this wasn't his best performance. Yeah, we had an interesting conversation before the game, Jesse, about uh, about Mahomes' physique. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that uh, um, in in a, in a later show. Um, uh, <laughs> um, not not Adonis uh, for Mahomes, but uh, but seems to have the muscles in the right places, and especially his brain. The guy is uh, the guy is otherworldly. This guy behind me, otherworldly uh, as a as a quarterback, he is amazing. All right, uh, Cody, you, you you mentioned it. I was going to throw this to Herbie. Um, Harrison Butker, the drama, the you know the the the, the, you know, the saga that is the Chiefs kicking game. Uh, we don't have to talk about it this week, do we, Herbie? No, we don't. But we can't. We have to give him kudos for rebounding. You know, perfect three for three on extra points, and to kick that forty-seven yard field goal in these conditions. Hat tip to Harrison Bucker for silencing the critics for at least another week. Hat tip to uh, Tommy Townsend for silencing the critics for holds because Bucker was pretty good today. Yeah, he's right down the middle on all his kicks, it looked like. Um, and that, that that's sort of what I was looking for because even with his makes uh, in between his misses in, in recent weeks, he'd be just sliding it inside the upright. And I know that's all that matters. But for me, I was looking – I was looking at where his kicks went today, and they all seemed to go right, right down the middle. Good one, Cody. Um, so, uh, yeah, good, good game for him. And man, the Chiefs absolutely have to have have to have Butker be accurate in the postseason, and he always has been in the postseason. That's that's not been a concern for the Chiefs, and hopefully today starts the beginning of uh, just a perfect finish for him for uh, for the season. Uh, okay, I don't know about uh, Herbie. You've talked about it a lot over the you know over the last month or so. It's, there's a lot of scoreboard watching going on with uh, with the Chiefs, and it looked you know early that the Bills might have been in for a tussle at uh, at Chicago. Turns out not the case, and um, and the Bengals you know they they looked to be in trouble in New England. The Patriots had the ball at the five inside two minutes down four and then lost a fumble and the Bengals put it away uh, in, in the end and when 22, 18, I think was the final in, 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 in New England. So just what, where does that leave the chiefs and what has to happen here in the next two weeks for them to become the number one seed? They need the Buffalo bills to lose. And of course, I think all of us are circling when the bills square off against the Bengals, because that's going to be the marquee showdown. I guarantee you probably a lot of chiefs, are also Chiefs players and Chiefs coaching staff will probably be watching that game as well. Uh, the, the Bills had the Patriots next, or, or I think they had them next. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I don't 
I don't think they're going to have any problems beating the Patriots, none whatsoever. So it's going to be the Bengals and the Bills. That's the big game. And as Andrew reminds us, it's next week. Um, and I believe it's a is it could Monday night or Sunday night. It's a night game, I believe, primetime game. So that is um, – uh, that, that's the game we're all interested in, assuming the Chiefs can handle their business against the Denver Broncos uh, at uh, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, another noon kickoff next Sunday. Um, so Roy asks, what, wonder what Sky Moore has to do to get more playing time other than avoiding punt returns. Um, Sky Moore, uh, I, I noted on one of the uh, – one play in the first half, uh, we were – we kind of had our eyes on Sky Moore, and I, I think it was a Mahomes ended up throwing the ball over the middle, incomplete, and he had Sky Moore wide open in the in the on the right side in the flat, and might even have been a touchdown. But um, I don't think a target. Did he did he have a reception today? I got the stats right in front of me. Let's look. Um, Sky Moore one catch for five yards. I don't know, Herbie. Have they? Is there still a is there still a trust thing with Sky Moore or? You know, I, I think of the balls that, you know, Watson dropped today. And, uh, you know, what, what is it going to take to get Sky more, a little more uh, action? I think, if anything, it, it's a matter of there's only so many balls that can be spread around in this offense. You know, Patrick Mahomes has been consistently throwing to six, seven, eight wide receivers every game this season. So now it's a matter of where can you fit them in? And you got to remember, Kadarius Tony just came back, and he's a playmaker. And they, they should have McCole Hardman back here for the postseason. So now all of a sudden, Sky Moore has all the talent, but so are all these other players. They all have their own certain roles within this offense, and it's a kind of figure out how many balls can you spread around and who's the main guy in the game plan. And I don't think it's going to be Sky Moore. Not this year, at least. Well, and that's an interesting thing that uh, Herbie's talking about here, Blair, because – this is sort of where the Chiefs are at with tight end. I mean, you noticed when Jordy For Jody Fortson went down, Blake Bell was immediately elevated. It was almost like they were sort of waiting on a tight end injury to get Blake Bell back in there. But when McCole Hartman comes back, the Chiefs all of a sudden are one too many at receiver. So they have to figure this out at some point, again, barring some sort of injury. But yeah, Kadarius Toney and McCole Hartman kind of do the same thing. Uh, Justin Watson knows all the positions and is a special teamer. Sky Moore obviously is a flashy guy, and the one catch he did make, he made actually two guys miss on that screen pass. So it was actually a pretty impressive play by him. I think he's too talented to not be on the, the game day roster, if you will, but the Chiefs are going to have a decision to make here at some point. So that's why, you know, I'm not saying anything that Justin Watson doesn't know. He's, he's a contributor on special teams uh, and does good, done good things for them, knows all the playbook, and obviously Patrick Mahomes has a lot of trust in him. But uh, those guys at some point, somebody's got to be the odd man out. You can't just – continue to throw receivers on your roster if you're not going to use all of them. So uh, that'll be something to watch over the next few weeks to see kind of who wins that battle and who at some point might have to be a game day inactive, even when they've performed a pretty big role throughout the course of this entire season. That will do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of George Howard, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. I'll tell you what, with a little extra time to read during the holidays, I can finally get through a morning sports edition. The best digital sports page in America is so jam-packed with stories and everything, it takes us extra time to get through it. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.